Welcome into finally a fall camp edition of At the Buzzer. We are still a Ralphie Report podcast that still breaks down everything we can do with Colorado athletics. Um, Dave Wade Sam, co-host Sam, cannot make it to this episode. Um, so I'm finally buoyed with, with once again, special guest and all-star repeated contributor Chase Howell in on this episode. Welcome again, Chase. Thank you, Jack. Happy to be back. I've been waiting a couple of weeks to do this. I was hoping that Sam was going to be here. I wanted to teach him the <laughs> there. I think it would have been great to walk him through pretty much every single player. Um, because if you haven't paid attention this offseason, you're probably going to look at week one and be like, who are these guys? Yeah, I texted him this morning, as I said, to see if he could come in. Um, and I think the, the threat of learning new information about the program that he likes to cover scared him enough um to not be on here which means i get to spread my wings from going to co-host jack into full host jack so now we are really rolling in the fall camp um mythos and i we are we are going to miss sam's presence um and his his comment questions but also now we can just dig as deep as possible and like you said a roster of 70 brand new players um that are all pretty much playing together for the first time these past few weeks so um I don't know. It'll be fun to go fast, at least. <laughs> we talk about this stuff. I don't know. Um, I, love, I love Sam's little quips. Whenever you can throw something <laughs> in there, it always makes me laugh. Well, they always say that you should talk You should talk about someone when they are unable to defend themselves. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to do here, Chase. Exactly. Um, so, as, as we both just mentioned, a lot of changes, obviously, in this year's fall camp. Under Deion Sanders, um, I think the best way for anyone to look at what's happening right now is through Deion Sanders' junior YouTube channel, Well Off Media. Um, so Bucky does probably a video a day, sometimes two. Um, and it, it's carefully controlled. Uh, I think they like to say that they show everything, but they show what they want to show, obviously. Um, it's still more than any other program in the country gets. So it, it feels like a – it feels good to have that amount of access um, and the daily practice stuff. Um, and this week, every week is interesting. This week's no exception because just casually, Terrell Owens is watching for you practice um, because that's the world we live in now. So I'm sure you've been keeping up, Chase. And not only watching, but lacing up the cleats, trying to get involved. <laughs> he seems like he's in, involved when the players are talking to each other. Um, they've had quite a few guests out to fall camp. If you haven't been paying attention so far, but T.O. seems to be like one of the more involved, uh, high-profile guests, it looks like. Yeah, they had um, Urban Meyer for a day. Who knows to see how actually helpful that was. <laughs> but um, I would imagine that was advanced scouting for Fox ahead of two straight big noon games for CU. Um, they had Byron Leftwich out there for a few days, I think, the former NFL offensive coordinator. Um, they, I mean, Pat Shermer was hired like two weeks ago as an offensive analyst. Um, the only man to make Daniel Jones look respectable in the NFL. Um, and I'm not a Broncos fan, so I hold no ill will. Yeah, it is a it is a veritable all-star cast of, you, of come people on, hanging a few, out. A few uh, CU all-stars as well. Michael Westbrook. Daniel Michael Graham. Westbrook. Daniel Graham. Um, and Michael Westbrook, I think, was hired as like a culture consultant for for all of camp. I don't know if he, he's still there, but he was definitely um, – Oh, and and the original. Oh, we don't do the word. We don't do that word, Jack. We don't say culture around here. I don't even know. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Deion Sanders is the only coach who cares about winning and only winning. I forgot about that. That's on me. I apologize. Um, he's not like a good old board rule. Is is he not trolling? 
Um, I mean, he, he he knows what he says is going to be taken like that. So I have to imagine he's doing it on purpose. But um, yeah, he had. I he's he's having fun. He's having fun. John Sanders isn't trying to build culture at all. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Unlike. I'm just saying, hey, Nebraska, great culture builder up there. Matt Rule, they've only had to kick like three players at, off, off the team in this fall camp. It's good. It's a good sign. Turning we over a new leaf. We don't need glue, guys. We need winners. <laughs> uh, and glue just gets in the way. So, mm-hmm. um, I, and I guess what I will say is when we – I am shocked at – and like I said, it is kind of – um, they are showing what you want to see, but I'm kind of shocked at, I think some position groups more than others. I think there is like the defensive line, especially to me, feels like there is an inherent culture already there. Um, and maybe it's because since Theory and Nick Williams are the, the two coaches there. Um, and I, they both seem extremely involved, but, um, it definitely seems like this team, uh, has a guiding light. Like they all kind of know at least what's expected of them. And at the end of the day, I'm, that's kind of what you need, at least at the beginning. Um, I, I'm shocked at how quickly that came together. I think those two coaches feed off each other perfectly. They're com- like polar opposites. Obviously, Nick Williams is learning a ton from Sinceri, but I think Sinceri's learning from w- Williams and the fact that he's energetic and the way that he gets along with the guys. I think it's really yeah. cool how they feed off of each other. And I've been shocked too at when when they do show um, Sinceri coaching now. Uh, I thought it was all going to be piss and vinegar, but it's, he is like shockingly upbeat sometimes now. And uh, that's the guy he would have played for, right? He does it all. Yeah, sometimes we'll talk to him really calmly. I wonder if he just knows how to press each guy's buttons. Like there's some guys he can yell at and there's some guys where he's going to be really calm with. Yeah. But yeah, um, I was hoping, honestly, I was hoping for more yelling. Like when they go to the D-line, I, I want exactly. to given every swear word possible. I liked it more in the spring when it was just him getting extremely mad about everything. It was it was more fun to watch. It was like his first day with the team too. He like, yeah, he like walked out to workouts and was just ripping them. <laughs> um, but he's been around a bunch of winning programs, obviously too. Um, the other thing I want to m- mention with World Off Media before we get into our thoughts too is they just showed last week, I think was the first full scrimmage of fall camp. Those are always big days. Whenever anyone's covering the program, fall camp scrimmage days are generally when a lot of depth chart gets um, solidified, at least for like the next few weeks of practice. Um, it, you know, um, as they were as it was called in the video, Friday's payday. It was payday for the staff there. Um, I'm sure you and I both watched that same scrimmage video as much as we could. Um, anything stand out to you with that one? With with what you saw in terms of like plays, moments, players, whatever. Uh, I think my main takeaway from that one was that the defense seemed to win. Uh, there won't, hasn't been many days, at least from what we've heard. Obviously, me and you haven't been watching practice, but there's a lot of yeah. people getting take- takeaways that are there. It seems like the offense has had their way for most fall camp, um, particularly the receivers in the past game. Um, but it sounded like that scrimmage last Saturday that the D actually was able to have their way a little bit. Um, and I think in particular, they were able to get after the quarterback. There were a few clips all in succession of, I think, three different guys um, that yeah. were able to pull the sack. And I think they kind of were able to have their way, which is good. When when the lights were bright, the defense has performed. But it sounds like <laughs> a couple of these other practices, the offense has just been crushing them. 
Yeah, and that kind of, and to me that kind of makes sense at least because um, the offense, at least the starting offense, has been together longer than the starting defense has been, or what we think is the starting defense. Um, and and also, I feel like they're just older. Like um, watching that scrimmage a little bit. Number one, Travis Hunter is, is scrimming on offense, so that that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not playing both sides. Or at least not playing both sides on the, against you know he's not on the ones for both teams obviously so um, that's a good weapon to have and then number two like the offense is for the most part has been together since spring not since fall camp um, and feels like a little bit older David Weaver knows what he's doing obviously like Savion Washington knows what he's doing um, so to me it kind of makes sense that they were pretty far ahead. The other thing I want to mention there, too, is Sean Lewis's offense is not crazy. Like, there's not a lot of plays that they were having to, to think through. Um, I don't know if that's the case with Charles Kelly's defense. I think the defense is kind of flipped compared to some other programs, maybe, where the defense is more complex than the offense, um, has a little bit more thinking to do, and that, that can contribute to close starts as well. Um, but it was – Good to see a pass rush in in Boulder. I can't, you know, we had nine sacks last year, so um, it was good to see a third of that in one scrimmage. Um, Arden Walker looked good, I thought, in that in that video as well. And I I love Arden Walker, so I'd like for him to play. That was cool. Um, yeah, I, I think the only other thing I had to look at that was um, it's really fun to watch Travis Hunter play football. Like he's just really good. Um, <laughs> the gets he had in one of those videos, it just looks like he gets the ball quicker in the air, you know? Like, he's freaky athletic, but it just looks like his hands get to the ball faster, which makes all of those contested catches look so smooth. His football instincts are just incredible. He, he knows where the football is without even having to look at yeah. it. He's running these routes, it's behind him, and then all, all of a sudden it's in his hands. Yeah, it, it really – how he adjusts to the ball is freaky. Like, it's all of those over-the-shoulders, it's it's – I don't know. We've seen – I mean, LaVisca Chanel was an incredible athlete and an incredible receiver, and that's the, the the last guy I can think of that CU had that was just so obviously, like, um, a step above athletically. But to me, this is a different kind of athleticism where it's it just seems so much smoother than LaVisca ever seen. Um, LaVisca was, like, to me, pure explosion, and this it's just fun to watch Travis Hunter play. Yeah, that's how I describe it as Travis is true football. Um, yeah, it's just his ability to be able to cover, to be able to catch passes, to be able to, it's just true football. Visco was obviously super explosive, but it was usually he had to get the ball in his hands. Travis, the ball ends up in his hands no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, like you said, like he, it just seems so na- it, it makes every, every other receiver or run cornerback to me, when you watch them, it just makes it seem a little bit more effortful like it it he was meant to do what he's doing right now and it's it's just fun to watch that when you, you can think he, you think he pisses the other corners off that he just like walks over <laughs> a couple reps and dominates and they they can't find a way to cover xavier weaver or javon antonio yeah and then and then the coach prime press conference he says that you get they have to find a corner next to travis they got to find someone who steps up like travis i'm sure that's um not fun <laughs> i'm sure that's not fun to hear like, um, not as easy as he makes it look. Yeah. Um, I think it's a natural segue that, into how I've been looking at a lot of this fall camp stuff. So like you said, a 
million new players, um, 10 returning players in general for CU, obviously. Um, so everything we watch is pretty new for who we're seeing on the field. Um, so I, I have some questions, I guess, to organize some of our thoughts. And this, was, this seemed to be a natural segue. Um, so let's, let's stick on the offensive side of the ball right now, Chase. Is there a player that you are just most excited for? Can't pick Travis Hunter. Player you are most excited to watch on the offensive side of the ball? I think right now it's got to be Dylan Edwards. Mm. The really? Amount, okay. The amount of hype that we're hearing from these practices and even on the well-off media videos, every time that man gets the ball, if he gets through the line of scrimmage, uh, yeah. there's a good chance he's going to take it all the way to the house. He's yeah. just a weapon. I, I don't think CU – I mean, we talked a little bit about LaVisca, but definitely not a running back that was this kind of home run threat. They ha- they've had some good running backs, but nobody that has this type of speed <laughs> long, in a long, long time. Um, and it just seems like they're going to have to find ways to get the ball in his hands. I don't think he's going to start uh, at least this year, obviously, but they're going to find ways to get the ball in his hands and they're going to throw him in the slot. Um, he's going to play a lot of running back and he's going to find the end zone. I think he was just picked on a preseason freshman all-american team yes um, didn't surprise me i think he's the smarter pick right now to end up there than cormani mclean is i, I just think they both were picked by the way on yeah. offense and defense but yeah yeah they both were picked but um dylan edwards i don't think you can hype this guy up enough i didn't know what to expect i didn't know if he'd be playing a lot this year obviously this running back group is really really good um but he he like we talked about travis he's a different kind of athlete for sure yeah, you know, I, I know you, so I feel like some of this might just be backdoor um, a praise of Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame for scouting him so well um, <laughs> before before he flipped from Notre Dame to Colorado. But um, he and, – and watching the DNVR updates who have uh, – who run with Uncle Neely, who's obviously also fun to watch on his YouTube channel, The Pregame Show. Um, Neely is one of the only people that sees practice every day, which is great. Um, but he has the last week pretty much said that Dylan Edwards is the best, is the MVP of the practice a few different times. I think today was actually the third straight um, day where Neely said he was the best player he three saw in, in practice. What's up? He went for three in a row. That's yeah, unheard of. Yeah, well, and like you said, watching him, I he has made the defense look bad, I think, a few different times. And that could be bad. That's the crazy thing about fall camp. You're playing yourself, right? But also, I don't know. It, like you said, it's it's there's some. He's just fast as hell. <laughs> he's just really fast. I don't know how many players CU's going to play that have that pure speed that Dylan Edwards has. Like it's incredible. I, I think Uncle Neely put it this way today that CU has some fast players on defense. I guess in particular, maybe Demoy Kennedy. If Demoy Kennedy isn't catching Dylan Edwards, there aren't many guys in college football that are going to be able to catch Dylan Edwards. Yeah, and he's only a freshman, like we both mentioned, true freshman. But running back is one of the best positions as a true freshman. If you're going to play early, running back is a good spot to be in. Um, and it, it's he will absolutely split out wide. He will absolutely split out wide. Um, and it's fun to think about uh, an offense that snaps the ball every eight seconds. Um with a player that quickly that you can just throw bubble screens to, like, I don't know. That that seems like a really good match. Um, I don't know. That's a good answer. That's not my answer, though, Chase. 
All right, give us your answer. Um, I love watching Xavier Weaver. I love Xavier Weaver so much. Um, he, you know, former teammates and current teammates with Jimmy Horn at USF as well. Jimmy Horn, especially in the spring, was very fun to watch. Is still very fun to watch. Will still be a huge weapon. Um, but it just, I don't know. I love receivers that understand the assignment of being a receiver and Xavier Weaver gets open and he catches the ball. You don't need to do anything else other than those two things as a wide receiver, right? Like your job is to get open. Your job is to catch the ball. And he just does his job, at least I guess from what we've seen, just does his job all the time. Um, there's a reason that he's one of South Florida's all-time leading receivers. Um, he's a grad transfer fifth year, actual last year, so he's not messing around. Um, and w- from what we do see, incredible skills in the air as well, contested catching as well, pretty big, you know, six one. I think he's just going to be one of those guys that you can throw out there as a starter and it's third and seven, third and eight. And he's just going to be, he's going to get the catch. Like he's going to get you the first down. Um, and I always love receivers like that. Soft spot for Tony Brown, Stephen Montez's favorite target, Tony Brown for doing similar things of just being open when you need him to be open. So I don't know. I love Navy Weaver. Yeah. I think you've heard a lot of coaches mention this throughout fall camp, but the dude just, he's a pro. He carries himself like a pro. He looks like a pro yeah. when he runs routes, catches balls like a pro. Um, you can tell that that's a wide receiver that's going to play in the NFL. Um, yeah, and and that's part of the reason why he he transferred, right, is to have that extra exposure. Um, we talked about some of the guest stars that were at CU, but scouts are at fall camp at CU for the first time in I don't know how long, um, multiple NFL scouts. And that's part of the reason why he transferred. Um, and I think he absolutely has the ability to do that. Um, I do want to shout out before we move on to – I think both of us probably have a similar thought about here. Uh, I thought about this guy. I was not expecting Javon Antonio to um, be who he is, but also very big and very good. Um, I did not think he was going to be as big of a player, but it seems like he's going to be a pretty big part of the offense. As big of a player literally or uh, figuratively? Both, uh, all of it. All of it. He stands out in every way. <laughs> Yeah, you, you look at him on camera, and the dude is massive. Uh, I don't know how he ended up slipping through the cracks. I think he started at JUCO and then went D2. Yeah. Um, and now is at Colorado, and uh, maybe some guys just end up slipping through the cracks, but he's a true 6'4", 220 pounds. That dude yeah. has serious size, and you watch him run routes, and he, he runs routes like a true wide receiver. Um, I, I'm interested to see how T.O. has been working with him over this past week because there's one guy that Javon Antonio should yep. be learning from. It's Terrell Owens. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a uh, that's a high comp, but same, I, oh, I similar body type. I'm not trying to compare. You can't compare Antonio. To <laughs> but when we're talking about big wide receivers um, that are just ball dominant, I, I think yeah. T.O. learn from. Yeah, and um, similar thing, like you said, he spent the last two years at Northwestern State, um, which is a, is a D2 university that is in a state that's neither North or Western. Um, it's in Louisiana, so I don't know um, why that name is, exists. But, you know, last year he had 64 catches and, and six touchdowns um, for D, in a D2 school with 700 yards. Like, it's not – he wasn't, like, completely dominant. Um like some other 
D2 transfers we've seen. A, a good example would be Isaac Tesla was a, was a player that he was going after in the recruiting trail who was completely dominant at the D2 level. Um, but Antonio obviously has measurables. And I don't know, watching him, from what we can see, like, it, he'll just body dudes. Like, he, he just gets he gets to box people out in the red zone. And that's always a huge weapon to have. Um, I don't know. We've, we've seen this plenty of times before happen against CU. I still have nightmares of Drake London just doing whatever he wants. Um, a few years ago for USC, where he was bigger, and it just made that was all you needed. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you need. Um, so it's it's fun to have that weapon on CU side. And obviously, he fits into this wide receiver core perfectly. I don't think he's going to have to play every snap, but you know he's going to be on the field for sure in the red zone, and he's going to play a lot. But uh, this receiver core is just so well balanced. They have so many different types of wide receivers, um, and I really um, like that about this core. You know what? I, I saved some of that about for our last question, which is about position groups. So, um, but yes, that's a good teaser. I think that, that I think that's incredibly well put together. Though. Um, let's, let's do the same question, but for the D. So on the defensive side, what, who's the player that you're most excited to watch? Ooh, this one I think is a little tougher to me. Naturally, I'm gonna. I don't want to give an easy answer, but I think I'll go with with more of the easy answer uh probably <laughs> probably jordan dominic uh, that's a good answer <laughs> i just think he's an elite type of defensive player and i don't know how many elite guys they really have on this defense i think there's a lot of good players on this defense but um i don't know how many top caliber pack 12 guys they have on their defense until we actually watch these guys but i do know jd's gonna produce um you can tell the way that he works in practice the way that he carries himself uh, I think he's a legit pass rusher. And obviously, he put up great stats in the SEC, so I think that makes it pretty easy to say. But um, he's going to play a lot. He's going to have a lot of sacks, and I think he's going to be fun to watch. Um, you know, it's not like you said. I Kind of like Xavier Weaver. It feels like he's another guy where it's like he just knows. He, he's done. He's done it before. Like He's going to be a pro, and he carries himself like that. Um Grown man, really solid physically, huge physically. And how often do you get to add someone from the transfer portal that had 17 sacks? I already had 17 sacks at a power five level in their career, right? Like, that's, I don't know. Um, he has the potential, I think, to be one of the best pass rushers in the Pac-12 period, um, which is exciting because last time that happened was Jimmy Gilbert, right? So, um I guess maybe Mustafa, but yeah, it should be. That was going to be my answer, so I have to switch, um, which is fine. I like switching. At the risk of who your backup is. I want to hear who your backup is. Okay. Well, at the risk of – I don't want to overhype him, so I'm going to go away from Shane Cokes. But Shane Cokes is – I love Shane Cokes so much. So um, just know that. I'm not going to pick him, but I kind of want to. Um I think I'm going to stick along the defensive line. I think we both probably have pretty high hopes for the secondary, but um, I don't know. Travis Hunter is the answer there. I don't think either of us want to choose Travis Hunter for this. So um, I have loved what I've seen out of Amari McNeil at defensive tackle, and that's not a guy I was expecting to play that much this year. Um, but from Tennessee, converted offensive lineman, um, Obviously, the biggest play that we've seen so far this preseason is when 
he he picked off the screen pass from Gavin Cole, who's one of the backup quarterbacks, and then just absolutely truck-sticked him on their way to the end zone. Um, easy way to endear me to your heart is to be a, a, a fat man touchdown. And so um, seeing that on a CU team, I will love you. Um, 88, crazy number for a defensive lineman to pick. I love that too. Um, and also, like, CU is lacking huge bodies. I think they have a lot of pretty big bodies, but they're lacking a lot of people that are over 300 pounds. McNeil is one of those people. Um, and he's the most prototypical body, I think, of those people when you compare him with people like Bishop Thomas or Chad Wallace. So um seems like he's really re- responded well to this game. And if, if that's our starting defensive tackle, that front four starting is going to be pretty menacing to look at. Yeah, he's truly a big body. I, I like that point. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is he's truly a big defensive line body. And it was one of the things that we were worried about going in uh, to this fall campus. Who, who do they have on the defensive line? And, he has been a guy that's definitely stepped, uh, caught my eye here, but I haven't heard him mentioned from a lot of other people. Like I watched our friends at DNVR and our friends at Buff Stampede. They put together their depth chart yesterday. They didn't throw him on there, but he's a guy that I hope is starting on the defensive line uh, just because based off what we have seen from him. And you called him a fat yeah. boy. The dude doesn't seem that fat to me when I, when I see him in the weight room. He, he's huge, but I, there's not that much fat yeah. No, like, especially, I mean, that's kind of what I was saying, too, is, like, look at Bishop Thomas. Like, I think they're pretty similar weights, but Bishop Thomas it doesn't have the extra five inches of clearance, right? Um, that's, that's what it looked like to me. There is not a lot of room, I guess, on Amari McNeil's, uh, like, he he's built. He's just built. Um, I'm assuming that Buff Stampede had Bishop Thomas starting. I have not listened to this yet. Is that correct? I think so, yeah. Okay. They, and that yeah. makes sense too. They had Bishop Thomas. Yeah. Stampede might have. Maybe they both did. I'm starting to think. I think they both had Bishop Thomas. Um, well, the answer was excited for, not necessarily who's going to start. And I, I do. That was a guy, I guess, in terms of Delta, I did not expect almost anything out of McNeil this year because I thought he was going to be rawer than he looked. Um, and maybe that will still be the case, but. To me, he's looked, I don't know, he's flashed like I would want someone to um, with his measurables. That's my favorite group to watch um, whenever somebody posts the videos. And a lot of times I think it's Neely at the pregame show that's always with the trenches. But I love watching the defensive line guys work. And Well, in terms of personality too, I don't know. As as a group, pretty fun, pretty fun um, mixture. Bishop Thomas is a lot. In Did every way, like he's a lot in every way. Did you like his Backstreet Boys rendition yesterday? <laughs> um, I, I Even more today, I liked his mic up with uh, Derek McClendon doing some yoga. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a funny dude. I think Coach Prime called him his long-lost son or something like that. <laughs> it's good to have a little bit of person. Um, hey, there's some good guys on this team, but especially the the top guys on this team, they don't have too much of a personality. Maybe Jimmy Horn a little bit, but um, it's nice. Bishop Thomas can always bring some laughs. Um, so let's let's flip back to the offense. I'm gonna do a, a question for each of the offense and defense, um, and you can't answer who you already did. So Dylan Edwards is out. On offense, freshman, you're most excited for. 
Can't trade Jalen Edwards. Oh, well, okay, that's mean. You, know, you, just, <laughs> I, I, you told me, you asked if I wanted the questions ahead of time, and now I wish I, I did. ahead of time. I told you I wanted to just go. Um, to be kind, I will not take Amarian Miller. So you <laughs> can feel free to take Amarian like, Miller. Take Amarian Miller. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I was really, I'll go ahead and take Amarian Miller. I was really excited about him uh, when he ended up flipping what was it from Nebraska? Well, Nebraska and then LSU and then CU. Uh, yeah. So when when so it was Nebraska, but that was through the wide receiver coach, um, Keith Williams. Keith Williams, or sorry, no, uh, Mickey, what's his last name? Mickey Joseph. Daniels. Mickey Joseph. Mickey Joseph. Thank you. The former Nebraska corner. He was a, he's a Louisiana recruiter. When Mickey Joseph was arrested and fired, um, he decommitted. Was looking at LSU and then CU beat out LSU. In the early signing day period for him. Yeah. Crazy uh, athlete. When you throw on his high school film, who we've mentioned, we should have had a LaVisca counter today, but Amarin <laughs> reminded me a little bit of LaVisca Chanel when I threw on his high school film, just his pure athleticism. And they found a bunch of ways to get him the ball, and then he would just blow by guys. Um, but I think from the clips that I've seen a, a lot during fall camp, is this is a true wide receiver. They've thrown the ball up to him he's dominated Travis Hunter one time um yeah which not many wide receivers have been able to do he just looks like a guy um that's going to be able to make plays here down the road I don't know how much he's going to be able to get on the field I think we will see him a little bit um obviously not a ton with the wide receivers ahead of him but this looks like a dude yep. that's going to be able to play over the next few years yeah I mean what a blessing to have this be like your fifth or sixth receiver right or fourth, you know, but not necessarily your top line. You can just throw in a dude like that. Like, you know, that's what the bigger programs do all the time, right, is just have another freak who happens to be behind incredible players. Um, and that way when they do shine out like this, it's, it's earned. It's not out of necessity. Um, he's going to be a crazy athlete. We talked about this when we did the signing day um, special, but – same the the group of freshman wide receivers is really fun. I think Amaria Miller is very different than um, someone like Adam Hopkins, who's also different than a guy like Jacob Page. Um, and as as recruits, Jacob Page was my favorite. He still might be my favorite, but that like to me, he's going to follow the more special teams Daniel Arias route of of being a gunner and then and then a player. Amaria Miller is a straight out player. Um, that's fun. That's fun. Uh, no, I have to pick a freshman. Yeah, no, I have to pick a freshman on offense. So they're going to play? I won't count. I guess I won't count redshirt freshmen, which makes this harder. Um, you have to stick with the wide receivers. Unless Mike, does Mikey Harrison count as a freshman? I don't think he is a freshman, is he? He's no. not even a redshirt freshman. No. Um, so I think you, I think you should probably, I should probably stick with the wide receivers. Um. Uh, and I will cheat and do a redshirt freshman. I believe he's a redshirt freshman. Oh no, he's a sophomore. I was gonna pick Tavares Johnson. That's too bad. Just go ahead and I take him. Sworn... We've taken all the freshmen. I'll take Tavares Johnson. Um. Yeah. Okay. So Tavares Johnson, Florida, Florida, um, prospect from Auburn. Was a redshirt freshman at least last year. Um, three years to play three. So what does that make him? A redshirt or a sophomore? Yeah. Um, but incredibly fast. 
and uh, also like a Florida boy. He likes to talk his smack, which is always fun for a wide receiver. Um, seems to be mixing it up a lot with the DBs, which um, I enjoy. Was coming on strong for Auburn near the end of last year as well, um, and supposedly had a decent spring for them before he transferred, or sorry, uh, winter conditioning before he transferred. So, um, I don't know. It's fun to have really fast guys. Tavares Dawson's really fast, uh, and he has a little bit of headroom in there. So, in case you haven't, I guess, followed along, this wide receiver group is very fun. Very fun group. He's definitely been coming along, at least in terms of the clips we're seeing over the last few days. So it was one, one maybe yeah, two. I, cooking. Are you shocked to see – I was expecting to see more Jalen Ellis. Do you think the reason we are is just because he, he came so late to Boulder and just going to take him a while to ramp up? Sorry, say that again. Um, I'm just supposed to be working right now while we're recording this podcast, and I got a message from, a, from an editor. It distracted me, so I'm sorry. Oh uh, no, you're fine. So I, I was gonna, I was asking, are you surprised that we're seeing not that much of Jalen Ellis, um, in the wide receiver group? Maybe because he's so late to the game, but I was expecting to see him more. Yeah, not necessarily surprised. Mostly because of what you just said. He he didn't look like he got on the field until a weekend. He wasn't even in Boulder until like right around fall camp started. Um, so just yeah. a guy that hasn't doesn't really know too much about this offense yet. Um, and needs to be worked in there. I do think. He could be a guy that we end up seeing on the field, especially maybe in red zone situations. He's listed at 6'3", um, and there aren't that many big wide receivers in, in this receiver group. Um, and he, I mean, and he's 6'3", like sprinter speed. Like, it, it is straight line. He's not crazy quick, but his straight line speed, um, his, his yards per catch, I forgot what it was. It's hilarious, his career yards per catch. It's something like 35 or, or something crazy like that. Um, so he, he's a take the top off guy. Um, okay. Same question, but for the defense and retro freshman is allowed. This should have a quite a few more candidates, but freshman you're most excited for on the defensive side of the ball. Mm, Halfway through fall camp. There are definitely a couple good ones here. Um, let me make sure I make a good pick here. Retro freshman. I so we have already talked about Bishop Thomas. I don't. I think that's a pretty good shout there. You don't want to take him, okay? Um, I really like, and I don't think we're going to see him too much on the field this year. But I really like what I've seen of Taj McCoy. Yeah, he was he was on my short list. Definitely an underrated prospect coming out of high school. Maybe a little bit of a late bloomer. He had an incredible senior year. Um, which might be a reason why he wasn't as highly recruited as he should have yeah. been. But uh, you watch this guy on the Paul Camp videos, and he fits right in with this pretty deep edge group. Um, there's not much of a drop-off to him size-wise or even when he's rushing the passer. Um, I think he's going to be a really, really good talent. It might take a year or so just because there's so much depth at the edge position, um, but I think we're going to be really excited about Taj McCoy in like a year or so. Um, I loved him as a prospect. I think he was, he was one of the Durrell commits as well that held over. I think both of the Oklahoma Durrell defensive freshmen are, um, really going to be good pieces as retro freshmen and sophomores, Morgan Pearson and Taj McCoy. I think those are both 
really athletic players, and Todd McCord is one of those guys that just produce, like you said, he just finds a way to produce. And I like football players that are good at playing football. Um, seems like he's one of those guys. And Nick Williams loves him. It's always a good sign if Nick Williams, if your coach likes you, it's a good sign. I like that. Um, I will be. Go ahead. Sorry. I liked that clip the other day when uh, it looked like JD might have had a maintenance day or something. He had all of his pads off, and uh, Coach Williams told Jordan Dominic to start coaching Taj McCoy up, and he went right over and helped him out. I saw that too. I love that. Um, And Nick Williams, yeah, he was he was um, emphatic when he asked that or told Jordan Dominic to do that. But as he is when he speaks, for the most part, (laughs) yeah. Um, yeah, he gets excited, which is what you want from a young coach. Um, I will be basic, and I'll just say I'm very excited to see Cormani McClain play football. Oh, really? Um, were you expecting him to be that big? Like, he's huge. And every, I'm shocked every time I see him. Um, not like, you know, bulky, but he is so long, dude. It is crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, definitely – didn't expect him to be uh, bulky at all, but uh, the dude is in <laughs> a twig. But yeah, I uh, I'm impressed definitely by his size. You watch him stand next to other corners um, when they're doing different drills, and he is above him by at least three four inches, and he's lanky. Those arms, I, I want to know what his wingspan is because those arms are really really long. Yeah, it's it's so fun. To watch, because I, I did, I, one of my favorite videos I've seen of this fall camp was, I think it was Reach the People did, uh, focused on Deion Sanders with just the corners for like technique coaching for like 10 minutes. Very fun to watch, but Deion Sanders, I guess, when, his, when they were doing it, the, the whole drill was basically getting as low, sitting as low as you can when you backpedal without losing speed, right? Like that was the whole drill, just sitting as low as you can. And it was hilarious to watch Cormani McClain do that. You can tell he's raw. Like, he's super raw technique-wise because he didn't need to do anything in high school to, to cover people. But when he started to sit low, his arms were, like, dragging against the grass. Like, it was so crazy. Um, he's so long. And and that's, uh, I think, CU, especially this year in the Pac-12, there are a lot of very tall receivers that CU is going to have to go against. Um, you know, Adunaze isn't that big for Washington. I don't actually see doesn't even play Washington, so I digress. But USC, outside of Zachariah Branch, there's a lot of very big, very tall receivers, Brendan Rice being one of them, obviously. Um, LV Bunkley Shelton at, at Arizona State is pretty big. Jacob Cowling isn't that big, but he has some size to him. It's nice to have that um, weapon. And assuming he does come into his own, especially in the back half, like that – I, I don't know. How do you get – he has the speed, too. I feel like it, it's fun. It's going to be fun to see him grow into that. A little bit of Christian Gonzalez freshman year vibes. of just like you can see him being really good in a year or two. Yeah, I remember when Christian was a freshman. I was telling people that he's going to be in the NFL. And they're like, what, that guy? I'm like, no, he's going to be in the NFL. Then he ends up being a top 10 pick. Sometimes you just know with these cornerbacks. And Cormani will definitely get there. Super raw. Uh, I don't – It'll be interesting to see who starts. I don't really think it matters against TCU who ends up starting that corner. Um, so I wouldn't surprise, be surprised to see Cormani. I think that's just going to work itself out as the season goes on. Um, I think it will be a rotation. Also, shout out to Kendrick Breelove um, and another freshman, Carter Stoutmeyer. 
who's been getting cooked a lot in campus because he's going against, you know, either Travis Hunter or Xavier Weaver, like, every rep. And that's a – he's pretty well built for a true freshman, and I like his fight. Yeah, but um, guys. All, all three of them really yeah, great. <laughs> I think they might have uh, – And they are not – Fighting Cormani a little bit. He's going up against what looks like the second and third team a lot. But the other three are just getting torn apart. Um, and they're not shy about letting the, the DBs know. Like, you know, Travis Hunter's not shy when he when he does um moss someone. Neither is Adrian Weaver. But that makes it more fun, at least on our end. Um, okay, final question, Chase. Position group you're most excited for on offense. This is uh, actually hard. I think this is a really hard question. Well, I might know what your answer is, so I'll take the other one probably. Uh, I'm going to go with running back. I love these dudes. They just all seem like good guys, like off the football field. I love <laughs> these and then you get them on the football field, and they're all – they'd all probably start at CU last year, all five of them. Uh, and I really like – Well, I mean, two of them did. <laughs> two of them did yeah, last year. Did. I guess you could say all six of them, right? Yeah. Now at this point, we're basically talking about six, six running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're all very well balanced. They all offer something different. Uh, we haven't seen too much of Alton McCaskill, Cavassi, Smoke, a, a little bit more Smoke at the beginning of fall camp. It looks like he's been banged up now. Um, so we've seen a lot of Dylan Edwards and Anthony Hankerson, and I love Hank. Watching Hank is fun, uh, especially yep. – when he, he's willing to pass block, we watched him put one of the D linemen on his ass and uh, one of those yep. clips. Uh, he's just a dog. He has a little bit of uh, Phil Lindsay in him, especially in the way that he speaks. I see some of these interviews, um, and he just has that dog mentality, and I love Hank. Um, I think they're going to find ways to play him and obviously the other four or five running backs that they can play as well. Um, but I think this is a really deep group. I don't really care who's out there on the field because all of them can offer something for them. This, to me, is this is objectively the right answer. Um, if McCaskill can shed that non-contact and we can start seeing a little bit more, it'll be even more clear, I think. Um, but I, I would probably take one other running back room in the Pac-12 over what CU might have this year. Oregon, I would take over. Um, CU's running back room with a honorable mention to USC because they have Marshawn Lloyd. But um, if everyone is who we think they can be, and your fifth best running back is either Sylveon Wilkerson or Anthony Hankerson, uh, that's really good. And your sixth, um, that's really good. Really offered all. Yeah, who's like the, the perfect? That's that. That's the perfect. Uh, like I don't know, lunch pail, throw him in the classic tag boil, angry sub. He's gonna give you what what you need effort wise, right? Um, yeah, I I, I think that that's objectively the right thing, Chase. I, and we'll that'll become clearer once we see McCaskill in pads, like hitting dudes. Um, I think that guy's special. So add that to Smoke, who's your perfect compliment, Dylan Edwards, you've already talked about, and then Hankerson and Wilkerson, and yeah, oof, deep deep room. Um, I will obviously then take the wide receiver room. Um, no one should take this tight end room and the offensive line might be good. Might be okay. Um, I like some dudes there, but it's not sexy enough for me. Um, knowing that the QB room is to do with Sanders and a bunch of freshmen and walk-ons, I will now have to take the wide receiver room, which is super fun. 
Um, Xavier Weaver is experienced, will catch a lot of balls. Jimmy Horn is explosive as hell and will also return kicks. Very fun. Travis Hunter, when he does play offense, is obviously immediately one of the best receivers in the conference. Um, at least athletically, we assume he will be um, on the field too, but I, I have no reason for him not to be that. Um, that really takes that room to another level. And then you have guys like Tavares Dawson. You have guys like Amari Miller, Adam Hopkins, Jalen Ellis. The deep room. Um, and Caleb Mathis, like, gets, gets open. He's another freshman walk-on, but he just gets open, um, which is what matters. So, uh, yeah, has to has to be a wide receiver room if it's not the running backs. So fun. It's really, it's really, really good. And I know that they lost a couple of good wide receivers um, to the transfer portal. And what's funny is when you go into the rankings on like 24-7 transfer portal rankings, yeah, you'll see like Montana, Lamonius Craig, and uh, Jordan He's Tyson, good. who are very, very highly rated. But I wouldn't take those yeah. guys over most of the guys they have in this group. Tyson might end up being um, yeah. on that one, but I'm not too worried. I like both of them. I, I like Montana and Andrew and Tyson, and I wish them no ill will. Obviously, they got totally screwed by the time that uh, basically the timing is horrible for them to go to see you. But um, I I don't think they will be bad uh, at all. But like you said, if, if I have to choose between the starting third wide receiver being Javon Antonio or Montana Lamonius Craig for 2023, I know who I'd want to choose, um, and it's 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 Javon Antonio. So. Um, yeah, that's a fun group, man. So, so much speed. It's so well balanced. Like, yeah, you, if you throw Montana in there over Javon, Montana's basically Xavier Weaver, maybe a step below him, but they're the same sort of wide receiver. Antonio offers you something completely different. And is just he like he's just built in a like Montana Lamonis Craig will be good ne- next year and the year after, but Javon Antonio is built for this year. And um, like you said, the the mixture of of what they're really good at is is almost perfect in the wide receiver room. You have a bunch of size, you have a bunch of speed, you have a bunch of route running, you have um, mix and match pieces on in the slot too. Um, you can kind of do whatever you want. We haven't even mentioned Willie Gaines who was a pretty big deal in the spring and that guy's fast as hell too. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I really like what they have in the slot. It feels like we don't talk about Jimmy Horn anymore because we're talking about the other three, but the slot is going to be really, really good. And just, I, I, and I always think about this too. I believe the two starting kick returners from what we know are going to be, um, Dylan Edwards and Jimmy Horn. So, that's like, I don't know. That, yeah, that's going to be so fun. If Nico Reed can have a kick last year, there's no way that the, those two don't have a kick this year, right? Yeah, I, I can already picture Dylan Edwards taking one to the house. Like, you give that dude just a little bit of space on a kickoff return, he's taking that to the house. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, final question on the D, the same question. The position group you're most excited for and safety and cornerback are split up for this as a heads up. It's kind of easy for me. We, we've talked about it enough on this podcast, um, but it's edge. I like a lot of these dudes on the edge. Really? Okay. Um, Jordan Dominic, obviously, but Derek McClendon, like that is a real dude. You watch yep. him stand next to other guys, and 
he's a different type of man, um, the way that he is built. Um, and already had production at Florida State last year, I believe right around four sacks, started 12 games. Obviously, Jordan Dominic's already had pr- production. Taj Alston's had production at West Virginia. So you have a lot of good veterans. And then some of these younger guys, I think, are going to be um, pretty good. Arden Walker, we already mentioned, started a couple games at Missouri. Um, he seems to be coming along on these videos. Savelle Smalls is kind of the big question mark, but five-star recruit. He's yep. the type of athlete that's going to find him him a spot on the field we talked about Taj McCoy uh maybe Kyrie maybe I don't know um what we're going to get from him there's a lot of guys at the edge and they're going to be able to rotate those guys but um I love Derek McClendon and Jordan Dominic I think those are two true pass rushers right there it's a great place to start it's a great place to start um two guys that have done it before at a high level elsewhere um who are who are doing it for one more year, and like you said, you know your backup edge might be someone like Savelle Smalls putting it all together as his his last stand in the five star. Might be someone like JJ Hawkins or Arden Walker. Arden Walker obviously has a bunch of potential for the next few years. Um, local product, like you got. There's so many options after that. Um, that's a fun group, and provided that Dominic and McClendon stay healthy, probably the best duo fast rushing duo for CU in at least 10 years? I, I, I don't know who else would, I mean. Yeah, yeah. And when you go to 2016, that D-line was good, but they didn't really rush, like they didn't have two edge rushers. It was Gilbert and no one. <laughs> I, I, Cheetah Bay Awuzie was a really good pass rusher that year. Um, yeah. yeah. Derek McCartney before he got hurt was really good that year. I mean, like, um, Carroll could get after the quarterback, but you don't care. Yeah, but he was inside. Yeah, I don't know. In terms of duos, that, that, that's a fun one. Um, okay, I'll take the basic answer again, and I'll take safety. I mean, dude, this safety room, man. Now that Jacquez Robinson is also officially a safety, um, you have Shiloh Sanders, who I think looked better than I expected him to in this camp. So far, um, definitely more physical than I expected him to be um, in camp so far. Like, he is physical. Um, you have Cam Simon Craig, who's also a dog, always has been. I will always love Trevor Woods, and I continue to do so. Um, Miles Slusher is kind of playing everywhere in the backfield. Jacquez Robinson's kind of cross-training everywhere, too. Um, I don't know. Morgan Pearson is technically a safety. We mentioned him before as a fun option um he's not going to play that much this year but you know you're now getting to the seventh and eighth safety um there's uh, yeah there's a bunch of players at that group that can all play well um and that's the best case scenario um i don't know they're an excited they're they are a fun group and Vito tisdale Vito tisdale just got in too that guy i don't know he's he's electric one guy we haven't mentioned i would imagine is playing more than a lot of the people we have mentioned so far is Roderick Ward. I bet Roderick Ward is going to play a lot this year. Yeah. You look at that whole safety group and there's a ton of experience. Trevor Woods obviously has started a bunch of games. And then you go to Shiloh has started a bunch of games at Jackson state, played a little at South Carolina. Cam Silman Cred started a bunch of games. Rod Ward started a bunch of games at Southern Utah. Vito Tisdale has that SEC experience played at safety. I don't think he started mm-hmm. Kentucky, 
Um, but there's a lot of these guys that have experience. Quetz Robinson, obviously just practice experience. I don't even care how much he was on the field at Alabama. You're going up against Alabama and Bryce Young every day at practice. So that's enough experience <laughs> for me. Um, and Miles Slusher, obviously, started games for yeah. our company. Yeah, a lot of starters. Um, a lot of starters competing against each other to start here. Um, and they, they are going to find ways to get three of those dudes on the field at the same time. Like, that, I think that's guaranteed. I don't, I don't think they're going to try to hold them back that much. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a really fun group. And um, we mentioned it here before, but a really good place to start when you're defending the pass is having a good pass rush and having a good secondary. And if, if you can handle that, um, I think the big question is the run defense. Is there run defense? Yeah, I agree. I'm not not worried about the pass defense. Uh, obviously, we they still have to find a second corner, but we'll see if they can stop the run. I don't feel as comfortable about linebacker. I know we didn't talk about that that much, um, but I think that's one of the positions that's a big question mark right now. If if I had heard things coming from the coaches that Levante Bentley has been looking great, he's one of the leaders on this defense, which is a lot of what we heard during the spring, but we haven't heard a lot yeah. of that during. Um, and I think that would give me more confidence. I do think we've heard good things about Des Moines Kennedy, um, but he's still a little bit of a question mark. And so I, the linebackers, I think, are going to dictate how good this defense is, and in particular what you said, stopping the run. Well, and Andre Hart actually said this past week in media availability that if he had to pick today, his two starters would be Kennedy and Marvin Ham, um, not even Bentley. Um, which is great news for Marvin Ham, uh, a guy who's been through two coaches now at CU, um, Mel Tucker and Carl Durrell. Would be great if that guy could break through this year. Um, but also, right, you want more from the the Clemson linebacker who's who played real minutes for Clemson, right? And and maybe maybe that was his motivational tactic. Andre Hart says he moves it around every once in a while so people don't get comfortable. Um, but. Yeah, I definitely wanted to hear more about that in the middle of the, the defense. I think that's definitely the, the, the soft underbelly of this team. Yeah, maybe it's a good thing that Marvin – it just means that Marvin Ham is really coming along and he's starting to beat out Bentley. But I, to me, I took it more of as a red flag against Bentley. I'm like, that's one of the guys that's supposed to be the captain of this defense, really, at least from what they were talking about in the spring. Well, I mean, in the spring, spring, he literally was calling the plays in the spring game and throughout spring practice. Like, that, yeah. Um, you'd hope he continues to do that. And anything to the contrary is just a sign for everyone else um, stepping up. But I don't know. That seems a little too sunshine pumpy even for me. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, Anyone? Sunshine pumper, are you? Are you a notorious sunshine? I don't know about notorious, but I I feel like I am. Um, given that we were talking very briefly before about to um, record that I don't think the Vegas line of over three and a half, and we can do this in a separate episode, but I think that's insane. I, I don't think that's realistic. Um, I would put it higher, which is the definition of sunshine pumping, I guess. But um, I don't know. That's for other to figure out, I guess. When you talk about CU football, I feel like over the years you've been pretty realistic, right? I on this very podcast with you as a guest, I think we both were like, "Really, Mike Sanford's the hire?" 
Really? Yeah. Which is a good, which is good for us. Good feather in that cap. Good guy, Mike Sanford, though. Head coach of Mead High School <laughs> or offensive coordinator of Mead High School. I don't know, one of the two. Yeah, you know, you can be as good of a guy as you want, um, but just uh, he also made $1.5 million a year to, to call plays. So, um, did not go well. <laughs> did not go well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I trying to think of any, anyone else you want to talk about that, that we've seen in this fall camp at all, um, good or bad. I guess Bentley would be closer to the bad side. Um, I don't know. I really like Savion Washington. I feel like he's going to be good, but we, I think we knew that already on the offensive line. Yeah, we haven't touched on the offensive line much. Um, yeah, Savion, I think I, I did really like him going into fall camp, but when we talked about the sacks and scrimmage, those all came from the right side of the offensive line. Um, so I'm, I'm not watching this offensive line to really know enough, but um, that would be a question mark for me right now. I, I really like Tank, though. Tank seems like he's a guy that's going to end up playing in the NFL. The way that that body has developed over the last couple of years, the way that he moves, um, the way that people talk about him, his teammates, um, it sounds like he is a legitimate left tackle talent, um, and I'm excited to watch him for sure. Tallest CU player ever. Um, would be fun if he turned out to be can move well. I think that's the big issue with him last year. It's huge, huge, but sometimes couldn't move like we needed him to. Um, if that is if the foot speed is there, that's a wall. That's for sure a wall. Um, and the other guy that's fun for me to watch is Jack Bailey, just because of how like just huge his arms are. That is a guy who's 280 pounds and has all of his arms. Um, who who was the last um, neck guard CU offensive lineman? Um, off the top of my head, I don't think this is correct, but off the top of my head, I had to go with Gus Handler, who was a center before Alex Kelly in the McIntyre years. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's true. I love I love his neck guard. Bailey just looks meaner when he when he wears that. If you remember another McIntyre uh, All Star, I think Kaivi Crab, the Hawaiian lineman, also mm. wore a neck guard. If you remember him, mm. before my days of covering the team, but I remember the name. He was the left guard, and Daniel Munyer was the right guard um, for a pretty good offensive line. Honestly, Gus Hamlin was a center. Um, yeah, I think. Retro freshman Aaron Hagler was the left tackle for a few games that year. Um, I don't know. I I it, I just made myself sad that I remembered all that. One of the new things. Mike, Mike, oh, Mike. boy. Who starts yeah, at guard? That was a two intense team. Give us your prediction. Um, so I think next to Washington is going to be Jack Bailey because they've started together for the last two years at Kent State. I feel like that chemistry. Why Why try to mess with it, right? Um, and then I think left guard is – I would I personally would put Landon Beebe there because we haven't seen much of Tyler Brown this camp. Landon Beebe is ready-made, pretty big guy. Started a bunch at, at Missouri State. Um, another option I think I would love to see, but I think he might be pure tackle right now. Um, Isaiah Jada can move. Like Isaiah Jada is fun to look at too. He's 6'6", 300. It would be fun to see him in there next to Tank. Um just make the biggest line possible. But um, 
I don't know. I think right now I put my money on BB. I like Jack Wilty, I think. Um, I think he's going to start at either. Yeah, left. another another weight room all-star. Another big boy. He is thick. Yeah. Thick boy. Yeah. Four yeah. C's. He can... <laughs> Four C's. One for each rack he squats. Yeah, that guy is... Uh... And it's all, it's all, it's lower body. That guy will move some weight. Um, and he's big. So that would be another good option there. Um, but I feel like O'Boyle values how much he can move more than how big you are, at least with how this, this current offense is set up. Um, so that might change some things. Which would be why I think Tyler Brown ends up in the starting lineup. We, he, we just haven't seen anything from him. Today was his second practice, I believe, because he showed up on Tuesday. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not against you, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him work his way in a starting line. Um, Speaking of, really quick opponent updates from other fall camps. TCU has had a few offensive line injuries, but they've all been nicked. There's no season enders or anything. So I think it'll be a good, for now, knock on wood, it'll be healthy on healthy on September 2nd, which is exactly what you want always. Um, and man, just such a shame, um, that the, the Huskers had to do this, but they've lost two starters in the past week. It's too bad. Xavier Betts has retired from football. He was, he had 600 receiving yards last year and was the starting receiver for the spring game. Um, his heart was just not in it anymore. Ah, uh, shucks. And, um, that one you could Miles actually Farmer, say shucks because it's not a real injury. Like somebody retiring, doing what's best for them. I, that's a good shucks. I feel bad when it's a real. I one. just well, and and so I know Xavier Betts also took twenty one credits over the summer to get eligible to play this year. So he was he was definitely working for it. And anyone who willingly spends this summer in Lincoln, Nebraska, deserves to be rewarded. Um, so that is too bad. Um, the other side of that, Miles Farmer has entered the transfer portal as well. He started a safety for them last year and was slated to do so or at least play a lot for them this year. He's following the old DB coach who went was hired at Syracuse for Nebraska. So he's now starting at Syracuse um, for the 2023 season. So two starters off the board for Nebraska in the fall camp. But I think they've also, thankfully, knock on wood, remained largely healthy, um, which is what you which is what you want to see. Chubba Purdy going to start at quarterback for them? No, um, Jeff Sims is going to start a quarterback for them. And uh, it appears that they absolutely love Jeff Sims. Um, I don't know how much you listen to national um, podcasts, but Cover 3 and Solid Verbal both think Jeff Sims is better than his stats look and that he will be a plus quarterback in the Big Ten this year. I've seen a lot of Jeff Sims. That's that's one guy that has been around a little bit. Unimpressed. I think they should have him a birdie. It's a very I feel like I gave that take like I was Sam. But that one wasn't on our Sam. That was that, that was a Sam take. Um here's all I'm saying is he has started a quarterback for three years and he was injured last year and Georgia Tech was a mess and that always does hurt for a quarterback. Um you know who else was a mess was one eleven twenty twenty two Colorado, as was twenty twenty one Colorado. And Brendan Lewis still had better passing stats than Jeff Sims did. That is not a good sign for Jeff Sims' passing abilities, in my mind. So um, I'm not too worried about him as a passer. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and look. Let's, let's end this on this Nebraska hate. Let's go ahead and look this up. And, you know, they were switching from the Paul Johnson option when he was a freshman to the Jeff Collins, not even an option, all terrible thing in his 2021 and 2022 years. Um, yeah. But 2021 is probably his best passing years. And he had 1,400 yards, 12 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Oh, you're right. Completion percentage was 60%, which was his high mark. Let's go ahead and check Brendan Lewis. Brendan Lewis was Brendan 50. Lewis last year was at 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns, three interceptions. Mm. Oof. Tough. Um, with 58% yeah. completion percentage. Yeah. What was that? Brendan Lewis, I didn't realize 10 TDs, 3 INTs. The dude never <laughs> threw the football, but. Ralph Report remains a Brendan Lewis podcast, and we'll be cheering for him at UConn. Go Jim Mora. No, um, he almost went to UConn. Is that Nevada? Oh, that's less fun. Okay, fine. We do, we do like Jim Mora, though. I approve of that. Of blue and white dog animals, I like UConn more than Nevada for colleges. He was definitely uh, close to going to UConn. He like visited or something. I remember that. Yeah, that's too bad. So I'm not too scared of Jeff Sims what that means. Um, but that that's from other camps. Um, and we we mentioned this before we aired as well, but it appears that Louis Passarello, a tight end, is out for the year. Um, or at least for an extended period of time, according to Tim Brewster, which is too bad. Um, he was starting at the end of spring, so losing a starter like that is not ideal. However, if there is a single position group that does not matter that much in the success of this team, it is likely tight end in this offense. So, I don't know. Not crazy. Yeah, it seems like Yelverton will be good enough in goal line situations, short yardage situations in terms of blocking, which is really when they're going to use a tight end the most. And then we'll see some... Michael, don't call him Mikey Harrison, uh, I think in a lot of passing situations. He doesn't like Mikey. No, he likes Mikey. Coach Brewster doesn't like Mikey. Coach Brewster says that he's not calling an ass kicker Mikey. <laughs> oh, my God. It's You know what? I, Tim Brewster is, has bona fides that are pretty much untouchable, but it's like someone watched – uh, the longest yard or every any given Sunday, and just like, yep, that's me. I, I'm coaching like that. That's I don't crazy. understand how he's able to bring that type of energy every day, but it is, it's something to behold. I could also see um, why, any, if you're Minnesota, if you're a Minnesota fan, that you would absolutely hate that guy. Oh. If that guy loses, it that sours immediately. There is no way that that's tenable. Um, but it's the same with PJ Fleck. If PJ Fleck loses, that's not gonna go. <laughs> that's not gonna go well. Um, oof, yeah. Anything else before we close up shop here? Uh, no. I think I got all my takes out. I miss Sam. Oh man, Chase, you say it one more time. I'm gonna start getting um, jealous. <laughs> but we all miss Sam. He will be back soon. 
um, especially during the year, and we are ramping up. Should be a fun one, obviously. Um, previews, preview content will come out <clears throat> very soon. But with that, thanks for coming on, Chase. Um, oh, one during thing. The work day. One thing. Uh, okay. If you are a college student or even even a really, really good high school student and you listen to this podcast and you're interested in getting in the sports writing, sports reporting, you want to talk about sports, you want to bullshit like we do, please hit up Ralphie Report. They need that. <laughs> you're plugging it better than I am. <laughs> That's a great plug. Thank you. I'm sure there oh, yes, do it. There's got to be some out. That's how Sam started. That's how uh, our friend Ted Chalpin started. Go Samar, shout out. Um, it's it is the the management is incredibly wonderful to work with. A lot of freedom to do whatever. Um, and yeah, we there are there is a need for extra re- reporting during the Coach Prime era, um, especially at a time when I do not have the ability to be there in person. Nor does Sam. Um, so absolutely make it happen. Thank you, Chase. The possibility of a credential. Oh, there's a there's a very good possibility of credential, yes. It's be even yes. more important for these guys to be able to be yeah, exactly. Exciting year. It would be an exciting year. First year under brand new head coach has brought a whole hoopla, number one potential, number one draft pick on the basketball side. Do it all. Volleyball team looks menacing. Soccer team, if they can fix the defensive woes, should be pretty good with the transfers they brought in. A lot of options. A lot of options. Anyways. Uh, the new soccer locker room is sick. I did not know yes. that. Yes. so dope. Desperately needed, too. Print-up is awesome, but, um, yeah, facilities can be rough. And I think, for me, personally, next step would be making sure women's lock, locks gets a, a nice new locker room as well. Because CU can be a powerhouse if they wanted to be in women's locks. If that I heard that support might be on the chopping block. Hopefully they can keep that together. For CU or for the NCAA? Due to the conference. I, I think uh, CU might have to find a new conference or something like that. I don't know. what. Uh, doesn't it, well, Arizona State play in like the SEC for the hockey program? Like, isn't there an option to do that? It just, well, did you, I don't, did you say SEC? Um, yeah, I don't, Arizona's in some weird hockey league, aren't they? Hockey has like five conferences that you probably have never heard of, um, but they did just join the NCHC, which is the good one with like DU and North Dakota and a lot of the good programs, which is good for ASU. Is there not a women's lacrosse option to do that for that one? No, there probably is. They're they're going to have to figure that out if they want to keep the sport around, which I hope they do. I hope they do too. They do too. Um, All right. I got nothing else. Thanks for coming on, Chase. Thank you, Jack. All right. Three short weeks or two short weeks until um, college football starts. One or 10 days-ish until the first games. So exciting. We're almost there. Notre Dame. Buzz.